0: Hey, yeah. Clean Nation. Good to, uh, I was going to say good to see you, but that's not true. I can't see you good to feel your presence. Maybe sort of anyway, we are here live Lindsay and I, as is our custom every Wednesday at two o'clock Pacific, five o'clock Eastern. If you like the vibe and want to join, send an email to support at growmycleaningcover.com and Lindsay will hook you up. If you have a question, she'll, and it's a good question. It'll make the list. Or if you want to join us live, live, hello, live folks. Um, just join our Facebook group. It's totally free. That's where you get the invites, all that good stuff. Uh, if that's it for the boring stuff, Lindsay, do we got some questions that we can dive into?
1: Yeah, we got some good ones this week. Okay. Give me, the,
0: give me the bad ones. I'm feeling a little sleepy. I don't know if I'm ready for good ones. We'll do we'll do good ones another week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, we I promised Mike Marino from the chat two weeks ago that I left off on him and I would start with him the next time you were on. So here we go. Mike says, once you've identified the pain points that you can solve for customers, do you recommend niching down and differentiating yourself based on serving a specific area or serving a specific business type such as medical
0: so really that's a pretty thoughtful question mike what well worth the wait you know i'm gonna make it a, i'm gonna make it a cliffhanger i will answer that question but i forget what i was doing last week i could not attend and i heard a rumor that my wife and you just took the whole thing over. How did that go? Was it a, was it a mess? Am I even welcome back? Is that how it's going to be going forward? How did that party uh, get lit?
1: I like a cliffhanger. Uh, Natalie and I had a lot of fun just saying horrible, terrible things about you. So if you haven't heard it yet, Mike and those listening out there, definitely go check it out so you can get all the dirt on Mike.
0: I don't know if it's worse that you guys said the things. I'm kind of okay with that. But recording them, knowing I could listen to it anytime, just like, yeah, we don't care. Is like, well, that stings. That might, that's a little worse. <laughs> if you're <laughs> listening, baby love, love of my life, wife, I love you. So whatever crap you said, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not as good of a husband as you are, wife, but you're amazing. See how you do that. You stick it to them the good way. Um, all right. Anything else to add about last week's before we get back to Mike and his excellent question?
1: Um, we had some great uh, questions about VAs and hiring an admin and Natalie answered some questions too. It went great, so. Cool,
0: all right. Well, if you want questions answers to that, go to last week's podcast and uh, they will be there for you, waiting and ready. Okay, so Mike, on the niche thing, the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, once you've identified pain points, it's almost always by industry. So it's not by location. So I, say I'm a dentist in my part of, I'm in North Scottsdale. Um, North Scotts is a little different than South Phoenix. Like North Scottsdale is kind of rich and fancy, and you know, it's one kind of vibe, and you know, downtown Phoenix is a different kind of vibe. But I wouldn't identify myself if you're like North Scottsdale, you know, cleaning company. I'd be like, well, that's neither here nor there. Like if I had South Phoenix cleaning company, like I wouldn't, even if it was Toledo, Ohio, I would be like, Well, that's weird. They're gonna come all the way out here, but it just wouldn't do anything to me. But if I had a dentist office, and right next door to me, like in the same business park, there was a mattress store. My pains are going to be wildly different from the mattress store next door. So, even though that business is going to be geographically very similar to me, um, I mean, almost how much more similar could you be the next door? The pain points are going to be wildly different. But if there was a dentist in Toledo, Ohio or downtown Phoenix, the pain points are gonna be very, very similar. So the question, the answer to your question is kind of in the question, uh, Mike, in that if you've got their pain points, that's generally going to gather, right? Like I have my client's pain point. And if you're like, not really, it's for everybody, then you don't have good pain. So like superficial pain is I want the most clean for the least money. That's not really pain. Like for a car dealer owner, he's going to go, I want my customers to stay longer because we know that the longer they're in the dealership, the more that they pay. I know that if I've got a very, very, very clean uh, service base and everything is spotless, I can charge $20 more per service hour. That is going to mean nothing to a dentist. And his pain's about, you know, I don't want to get stuck by whatever medical body's coming to make sure that I'm whatever. And, you know, if people in the waiting room see it's dirty there, they're not going to want me to put my hands in their mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just a completely different pain. And that's going to be completely different than, a bowling alley, which is going to be completely different than a property manager, which is going to... We can go on and on and on. So to answer your question succinctly, Mike, if you really have good pain, you're going to notice that they are similar in what they do and not where they are. that makes sense, Lindsay, or was that just a bunch of random words seemingly non-strung together?
1: Totally made sense to me, and I forgot to add that Mike said he's located in a pretty big city, so he could do either. There's lots of potential customers, so what you're saying makes sense in that context too.
0: Yeah, and the only time I wouldn't niche is the opposite. There's a tiny city, and it's like there's 117 businesses total here, and of them, there's 42 buildings that I would even be willing to clean. And then you kind of got to do what you're going to do. But if you're in a larger city, niching is always ideal.
1: Got it. All right. So our next question is related to niche again, but it's a, it's a bit different of a question. Um, I'm going to paraphrase this one. So basically um, this person, a touch of grace, cleaning and organizing services, I believe they're from down under, they asked, um, should they only, basically they're focusing on one type of client and in servicing this client, they noticed they're attracting another different niche. So should they only focus on one type of niche or is it okay to kind of bring in that other niche if it dovetails with one?
0: So first of all, if you're a touch of grace, cleaning and organizing right off the bat, you're not niching because you're you're hitting two different type things, right? And the typically woman who wants her house cleaned or organized. Sorry, men, we're kind of pigs. We don't care. Or we'll clean her. I don't know. But it's 90% women. They're going to make this decision if there's a man and a woman in a household. Um, typically, the woman who is looking for cleaning services is a very different pain than the woman who's looking for organizing services. So even there, I think people we will just kind of go top level and I'll get to, to touch with Grace's question. I think people don't understand a niche. They're like business people or residential. That's my niche. It's like, that's not a niche. That's like saying me, my niche is business owners. Well, that's not a niche. Cleaning companies are a niche, right? But owners of companies or small businesses, that's not really a niche. So A, I'd start niching more clearly. B, yeah, it's totally fine to attract... People you're not looking for, but you want, and first of all, have data. So if you were a client, I wouldn't even have this conversation without data, like exactly how much, what's our ad spend by lead source? How many leads, bids, sales are we getting? How many of those leads were this kind versus that kind? So we always want to go with the data. It's human nature is to start with the drama and the story. And well, it felt like this, and I got this, and we're getting, you know, when you're hearing things like, I got a ton of this kind of, I don't know what that means. Like, And out of how many and how many convert, like you got to have the data because it feels what happens is the people that are loudest or they're crankiest or that for some reason we like the most have an oversized feeling in our heads. Whereas with data, they're all the same, right? So start with the data is kind of the boring answer, but the correct answer. That said, assuming that the data I've got, which is almost none, just that I'm attracting a lot or a bunch, I don't know what the exact verbiage was. Um, It's fine as long as there are people that you want to serve, right? So if I'm in Arizona and I'm trying to um, help high-end homes married with kids and you a certain couple neighborhoods and a rich guy who's single in a penthouse apartment that's 3,000 square feet, 15 miles away calls me. Yeah, that's fine. I'm still going to do that. Now, I'm not going to take a commercial account. I'm not going to take dry cleaning. I'm not going to take dog cleaning. So there's certain things that obviously I'm not going to do but if it's someone i can serve at a high level and they've got money and they want to give it to me sure i'll take that but if my marketing is attracting the wrong person i'm going to look at my marketing and go what am i doing wrong i'm obviously knowing how to speak to somebody's pain is this the person i want and i might if i've got marketing that's working you could switch your niche or if you don't like that niche then switch your marketing but i would pay attention to it but no yes i would pay attention to the data and perhaps make some changes but i'm still going to take clients that. Uh, aren't perfectly in my niche as long as I can serve them and they're willing to pay and I like them. So that's my super fancy answer. If they have money and I like them and I can help them, sure. Why not?
1: All right. Got it. So our next question that I am going to rephrase a little from Jeanette Schill from email. And
0: by the way, if you're here live, now is when you put in your question to answer it later. If not, all those Dirty Sons of Guns from the email are gonna get their answers. And you live people who showed up get nothing but remorse and you know bad feelings and regret and probably drug addiction, if I had to guess. So it just it's downhill from here, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I figured the more I talk, the less I have to actually answer questions. So
1: <laughs> I'm a lot of crap here. and
0: see what happens. Yeah. Like I can run down this clock and you won't have to make me work. Right, fine, I will work. Give me a question and make it good, lady. Hey, new friend, love that you were here. If you want more Cleaning Nation, more us, you can check us out on YouTube. Similar content, you just get to see each other. It's totally free. Or if you wanna say, hey, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, join our free Facebook group. We love hearing from you, Cleaning Nation. That's what makes it magic. Jump on, we'll see you there.
1: All right, I'll try to make this good. So I rephrase uh, Jeanette's question. So when you're calculating the charge for cleanings, do you figure in inflation, and if so, how would you do that?
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, so we have a for everything we have a system and a process. Um, you should have a system and a process, Jeanette. And our system um, and process is quarterly. Uh, we always teach weekly meetings, monthly parties, quarterly reviews. And at those quarterly reviews, we reset our um, pay for our employees and our bonuses based on what market is in our area at that time. And then I'm going to... In um, generally, that's not going up every quarter. We're in such a high inflation area now. It might be, right? So typically, I'm going to check prices when it's not super inflationary once or twice a year just to make sure everything's good, maybe three or four times. But if it's inflationary, I'm just going to every quarter when I give my reviews with the new... I'm going to recast my pricing based on the new price. Yes. So short answer, no, I'm not going to do it in advance. Like here's the price now, but prices might be higher in the future. So I'm going to raise them. Now, I wouldn't do any of that. I would just be like, here's the price. The only time I would do that is if I was commercial. And for some reason, they were forcing me into some sort of long-term contract where I had to commit to a price. Well, then of course, I'm going to kick it up 5, 10, probably closer to 10% in this economy, uh, percent per year. But if it's just a month-to-month deal or even a year, and again, for residential, there's no need for a year-long contract. So no, I'm not going to preemptively strike with like, I'm going to raise prices now, but I am going to revisit them quarterly to twice a year, depending on how my cost of goods sold are looking. That was a hard question. You're supposed to give me an easy one. That was like math and like paying attention and everything.
1: Yeah, I think that's the first time I've ever seen inflation mentioned in one of the questions that people have sent in. And it's such a good question because it's just rampant right now. So,
0: to that. let me give a couple. Yeah, for, that's a really good point, Lindsay. So, I'll give kind of a globe, not that this question was answered, but a global perspective on this inflation thing. And we did this a lot during COVID. We, you know, talk people through that. So, with this, you know, we've got to make sure. And the cool thing is the systems and processes we teach work all the time in all markets, but you can. There's some nuance where you can make it work better. So this is, like I said, we always have a system. Where we're doing it quarterly and blah, blah, blah. So you don't really even have to change anything from the systems that we teach. But what I what I would keep in mind is twofold. One, and sorry, poor Lindsay, um, the working man or the working lady gets stuck in inflation because the cost of things goes up. And now I'm like, shit, I should have given part of my life. I should have given, kind of give raises. Like, stuff's getting expensive. Sorry to feel guilty. Lindsay's right here looking at me in the eyeballs um the i'm literally blaming other people like i don't think i've given Lindsay a raise lately um or no i think we i don't know whatever (laughs) this isn't about Lindsay. um the cost of wages goes up faster or slower almost always in inflation which sucks so make sure you take and that's part of why we coach you doing the quarterly review so you're not one of those people you keep up with your employees the good news is as an owner we can fix it right you know like they they do this thing we're like hey in this city minimum wage is now 20 bucks and you think mcdonald's like i guess we just won't make any money they go all right well a big mac was four bucks now it's seven like what do you want to do for me like they just raise prices so as a business owner as your costs go up labor and otherwise you can raise prices any time and all the time so we you're actually in a better position than if you had a job because if you have a job i guess you could switch jobs you could ask for a rate like it's not like you have no power but you have less power right you've got to be more on it whereas with a business owner we have we have uh, that ability second thing is the best time to raise prices is during an inflationary cycle because everybody's raising prices. So it's not like people like, what, what is this thing? They're like, ah, you're the third vendor this month. It's like, yeah, well, there you go. Talk to, talk to your government, tell them to stop printing money if you don't like it. Um, different, different, different topic for a different, uh, I know Lindsay's like, oh, I want to talk about that topic, but, um, we, we shall, we'll be adults and, and move on. All right. What else we got, girlfriend?
1: All right. is like
0: Lindsay wrote it and Lindsay says, Lindsay wrote it and asking, when am I going to get a raise? Inflation is killing me. I'm like, Oh boy, <laughs> that's kind of on the spot. <laughs> not sure how to go with this one.
1: This podcast just got super awkward. Now. <laughs> um All right. This next question, speaking of jobs, I, I love this question. So this was anonymous. Through email, <laughs> first
0: anonymous. This might be our first anonymous uh, deal. All right. Yeah. Whoever you thinking- are
1: so they say my situation they gotta explain their situation so they have a day job with a great career path however they have a commercial cleaning business that they run at night whenever they can the cleaning business is going really well and I'm now faced with a decision to leave the day job and go in all in on the business and it just can't be a financial threshold meaning once I have X amount then I'll leave my job because I may not able be able to scale the business to X without being all in. Hopefully this is making sense. So yeah. how would you think through this decision or inflection point they ask?
0: I really, really like that question, frankly, because um, we get that quite a bit. And I'm gonna, not. <laughs> so I was gonna bust your chops anonymous uh, for being anonymous, but that's such a good question. I'm gonna let it slide. I'm going to give what's probably a pretty unsatisfactory answer, but I've done this a lot with people or my company, at our company, we've helped a lot of people make this transition and it is very consistent, the results. So the first step is you got to decide if you're an entrepreneur or if you're a worker bee. Right. Cause it's and I know it seems like I'm kind of slicing pretty thin here in terms of what where are we just playing with words? So to make it even more sound like I'm just, you know, being a word Nazi, are you an employee who has a side hustle or are you an entrepreneur who has a side job? Right. You've really got to decide identity. Who am I? And there's no wrong answer. It's like entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs and we're gonna do entrepreneur things. So workers are workers, and there's one is no better or worse than the other. It's just it's a different proposition and you got to be pretty clear on who you are and what the opportunity and, and risks are with each and how you match up with them. So if you're based on the phrasing, of the question, I'm going to assume you are an entrepreneur who has a job, not a worker bee who has a side hustle. You want to be an owner. You are an owner. You're just trying to figure out what's the fastest way to get to be an owner. So there's a couple, and again, it's so, t- I hate doing these questions with no not only no data, I don't even have a name for crying out loud. Um, make it up, by the way. Call yourself Steve. I won't know. <laughs> or just say Steve L. Like, I don't think your employer's out there going, ah, we have a Steve L working for us, this son of a gun. Uh, yeah, whatever. So an entrepreneur is probably going to jump sooner and with more risk. So and I'm not saying that's the right answer. I'm saying that's what an entrepreneur would do. A worker bee would almost never jump, but it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you, I can't think of an exception. There may have been one, but in the almost 10 years we've been doing this, I don't recall a single person who, when they went all in, and this is with us, so on your own, you know, results may vary, didn't have a hockey stick growth, right? Because there's this. You know, it's the difference between dating and marriage. Like, I'm kind in and I'm all in. So, because you go all in, it's not even the time. Because we can on paper go, well, my job's very flexible and I have exactly 32 hours and I'm above. It's not that. It's just the passion and the focus. Like, I can just do this. Because if you're a decent human being and you're an employee, you should be giving that owner some time and attention and focus. And a new business takes a lot of time and attention and focus. So, for me, what would work? But I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to jump sooner. I'm betting on me, which I'm not saying is the right answer. I'm saying if you're an entrepreneur, you got to bet on you. So it's kind of chicken and the egg. Well, you're an entrepreneur, then jump. And if you're, and if you like, I don't want to jump, then you might not be an entrepreneur. So, and I know you're probably looking for a more specific answer, but without having a private conversation, what is your exact revenue? What is your profit? What is your, what are your monthly expenses? What do you, what do you what do you earn at your job? Like I just need more data points to really walk you through exactly in your situation. So. Globally, if you're an entrepreneur, at some point, you're going to have to go all in on you. And I'm not saying, you know, you're like, well, I don't have to be now. And I don't have to be. yeah, I know. But there's always, for any real business that does anything, there are inflection points. Just looking at the uh, Uber, the story of Uber and how many times they almost, that guy almost went to jail. Like it is, you don't realize how much they risk. You see the, the backing, like, oh my gosh, I'd like to be that guy. But you, you see all the risks that was like all in beyond what's even reasonable. So I guess the kind of top level maybe not most satisfying answer in the world is if you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, baby, the best way to be. And, I'm, and again, I, huge disclaimer. I don't know your financial situation. Are you a 23 year old single dude? What do you got to lose? Are you a 47 year old man with kids in college? Well, that's a different kettle of fish. So I need details the, for your specific question. I need details. But generally, if you want to be, start with identity, if you're an entrepreneur, make decisions from that place. If you're a worker bee, make decisions from that place. Don't judge yourself. Just you got to know who you are. And do entrepreneurs fail all the time? Yep. So it's like, okay, so if I'm really an entrepreneur and I push all my chips and I'll be successful, I don't know, maybe. That's the thing about being an entrepreneur. Like, there's some risk involved. All right. I feel like that was the least satisfying answer I've given in many moons. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking, Lindsay? Anything to add to that that I missed?
1: I don't think you missed anything on that. I feel like you just gave me like a therapy session. That was so good. Like, I, I really enjoyed that answer on a personal level. So.
0: A plus. <laughs> so coming back to the earlier uncomfortable after this, Lindsay's like, so I quit. I'm going full time. like, God bless it. I'm not, <laughs> I should've never had you on the Daggum podcast. I knew I was doing this wrong. Next week, a, we should do it next week. There's another girl. And we're like, uh-oh, Lindsay's gone. <laughs>
1: Nope. I'm here. You guys got to put up with me for a while. Uh, cleaning hey, <laughs> All right. Well, chat is super quiet, Mike. Um, everyone's shy today. That was my last question for you. So I got nothing else for you today.
0: Hey, we're at 21 minutes in, so we'll call it. Um, all right, guys, gals, if that was helpful and you want more, if you go to growmycleaningcompany.com, over a thousand of these podcasts only on, I mean, you have to be a crazy person, it's that many, how to grow a cleaning company. Again, the Facebook group, I think there's 15, 16, 17,000 owners of cleaning companies in there. Um, all that's free. You can check out my books on Amazon. Those are like 20 bucks or something, but the hub is generally growmycleaningcompany.com. Check it out. Join the group. Look forward to seeing you in the community. See ya. Well, here we are at the end of the podcast and you made it. Great job.